Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 684 for release on Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. On the program today, the early Marconi years at Chelmsford, ILG Radio, a massive shortwave database, Ukraine news on shortwave, and our Japan DX report. Back in the early days of wireless and radio, station call signs were applied in several different ways. There was no clear, no regular pattern. Official internationally recognized call signs were in use to identify a specific transmitter or a specific transmitter frequency or a particular programming service or a particular transmitter usage, such as amateur or experimental communication or broadcasting. Ray Robinson now talks about the early Marconi years at Chelmsford. Thanks, Jeff. On one rather unusual occasion back then, a call sign that was licensed for a shortwave transmitter at one specific location was borrowed temporarily to identify another transmitter at another location a hundred miles distant, and this undoubtedly caused considerable confusion. In 1931, the English call sign G5SW was licensed to a Marconi 10 kilowatt shortwave transmitter at Chelmsford, but it was borrowed by the BBC to identify the test transmissions over their two new 10 kilowatt STC shortwave transmitters at Daventry. In more recent times, call signs have been used simply to identify radio stations, which may have one or more transmitters at one or more locations sort of like the 14 transmitters at WRMI. But originally and historically, each call sign was intended to identify one specific transmitter at a specific location. For example, back in the middle of last century, the American call sign KWID identified a 100 kilowatt shortwave general electric transmitter that was installed in suburban San Francisco in California for the Voice of America. And the Australian call sign VLC identified an American-made 50-kilowatt RCA shortwave transmitter that was installed at Shepparton in Victoria for Radio Australia. Back more than 100 years ago, the Marconi Company at Chelmsford in England obtained a plethora of call signs for their various longwave and shortwave transmitters and services. We go back to the beginning and we start with the story of their very early radio factories in England. It was in the year 1897 that the 23-year-old Italian-born Guglielmo Marconi established his first radio factory, a very small and primitive facility at 28 Mark Lane in London, for the construction of and experimentation with very early wireless equipment. However, this facility in crowded London produced too much electrical interference and it was far too small anyway, so he searched for a suitable country location and he finally chose Chelmsford in the county of Essex, about 30 miles northeast of London, which interestingly was already the site for companies that were manufacturing other electrical apparatuses and goods. Back in 1861, John Hall had constructed a two-storied building on Hall Street in Chelmsford for use as a silk weaving mill, and when he went out of business, the building was taken over by the Wenley Company for the storage of their finished furniture products. 
However, that building became available and so Marconi took it over for use as a wireless equipment factory in December 1898 under a 20-year lease agreement. That building was the first radio factory in the world. Their first employees were 26 men and two boys. In less than a year, and with the use of his brand new wireless equipment, Marconi installed a wireless transmitting station across the roadway nearby. During the year 1912, there were three major events that impacted the Marconi company in Chelmsford and the wireless equipment they manufactured. These three events in chronological order were the sinking of the luxury liner Titanic, construction of a new wireless factory building in Chelmsford, and an official visit from the many international delegates who were attending the International Radio Telegraphic Conference in London. In the tragic event on Sunday, April 14th, 1912, the luxury liner RMS Titanic struck an iceberg, and in less than three hours it broke into two pieces and sank. The two Marconi wireless operators, 25-year-old John Phillips and 22-year-old Harold Bride, sent out numerous Morse code messages on their Marconi wireless equipment with the Marconi call sign MGY. In response, the RMS Carpathia, whose call sign was MPA, at full speed arrived at the scene two hours after the Titanic sank, and they were successful in rescuing 705 survivors from the icy cold Atlantic. Wide was the subsequent praise for the use of wireless equipment aboard the Titanic, which ensured the rescue of so many survivors who would otherwise have been lost. In Chelmsford, suitable land on the local cricket grounds at New Street, near the railway station, was chosen for the new wireless and radio factory. Construction work for that large new two-storey factory building began on February 26, 1912, and in order to hasten the work, 500 bricklayers were employed. The official opening of the new Marconi factory at Chelmsford on June 22, 1912, attracted delegates from the 35 countries who were attending the Third International Radio-Telegraphic Conference in London. At the height of its success, this new wireless and radio factory employed a total of 6,000 people. During the subsequent almost 100 years, Marconi Chelmsford manufactured untallied quantities of radio products, including high-powered, top-quality international shortwave transmitters. The now historic radio factory was ultimately closed in 2008, and it's these days in use as a luxury apartment complex. We'll have more about Marconi radio stations in the Chelmsford area in a forthcoming edition of Wavescan, including the now historic radio broadcast more than 100 years ago, when the world-famous Dame Nellie Melba presented A Half Hour in Song. Next week, we'll be looking at the third relay station for the Voice of America in the Philippines. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. From time to time here on WaveScan, we tell you about publications and services that are of interest to shortwave listeners. And there's one very good one that we haven't mentioned yet, but it's been operating since 1983. ILG Radio is a subscription service operated by Bernd Friedwald in Germany, which gives you access to a massive database. They claim it's the largest in the world, with frequency-by-frequency listings of all shortwave broadcast and utility stations from 1.6 to 30 megahertz. This is the biggest listing I've ever seen for the HF spectrum. It is updated regularly, some of it daily. 
In February and March of this year, they updated 85,000 pieces of data. And the interesting thing is that it lists not just broadcast stations, but utility stations, too. You wouldn't believe how many so-called utility stations exist between and even within the broadcasting bands. There are military, government, aeronautical, maritime, and, of course, time signal stations. There are spy stations and jamming transmitters, and all of these are included in the ILG radio database. No unconfirmed broadcasts are included, only verified on-air transmissions. There are two versions of the database available. One is broadcasting and utility stations in the complete shortwave range from 1.6 to 30 megahertz. And version two is broadcasting weather, volmet, and time signal stations between 1.6 and 30 megahertz. That one is for listeners who are only interested in broadcasting and public broadcasts, such as weather bulletins. Now, you might think that the average shortwave listener would not be interested in all of these esoteric utility stations. But once you start looking at the details of these stations in ILG radio, it might just be enough to make a utility DXer out of a casual shortwave listener. I mean, look at some of the listings I saw just recently in the database. Russian and Algerian military, Cuban spy stations, Chinese jammers, the U.S. Federal Emergency Management Agency, the Portuguese Navy, NATO Communication, China People's Liberation Army, Japanese Fishery Radio, the Australian Defense Force, the Israeli and Brazilian Air Forces, Coast Guard Cutters, Embassies and Consulates, Norwegian Coastal Radio, Meteorological Stations, Ship Transmit Channels, and the list just goes on and on and on. There are thousands of listings in this database, and each one includes a wealth of information. The exact frequency, program, station, start and end time, the days of broadcast, language, target areas, call letters, transmitter location, geographical coordinates, and more. And you will even see the last month and day that each broadcast was monitored. That means 97% of all broadcasting entries were monitored and verified to be on the air during the, for example, B-21 broadcasting season, effective from October 31st, 2021 until March 26, 2022. These checks are made by ILG Radio on a daily monitoring basis. You won't find program details for individual shortwave broadcast stations but you will find a list of all worldwide broadcasts by frequency. So if you hear a station on a given frequency, you can look up that frequency on the ILG radio list, and you'll see which stations are using that frequency and times, languages, and target areas for those broadcasts. So you'll probably be able to identify the station from this information. ILG radio calls itself the second-to-none shortwave database of the world including HF stations between 2 and 30 megahertz and approximately 85,000 verified data entries in early 2022. ILG Radio is available in CSV, text, and DBase format for import in various database software. If you use Microsoft Excel or a DBase reader software, you can set various index functions and filter functions. ILG Radio has also special files for SDR receivers and software for Perseus SDR, WinRadio, 
ELAD SDR, Ham Radio Deluxe, and SDR Console version 3 by Simon Brown. ILG Software has been doing shortwave monitoring, frequency management, consulting, shortwave databases, and investigation since 1983. Incidentally, since February 24th, ILG Radio has been covering changes in broadcasting and utility schedules related to the war in Ukraine. And on March 27th, the new A22 season started, along with many changes of the broadcasting schedules with higher frequencies for the summer season in the Northern Hemisphere. ILG Radio is available to radio stations and frequency managers. A subscription costs hundreds of euros per year. However, Bernd Friedewald makes a special version of ILG Radio available for shortwave listeners and DXers for their personal use for only 17 euros per year. That's one seven euros per year. If you would like more information or to subscribe, go to the following web address, ilgradio.com. That's ilgradio.com. Now it's over to Tokyo and Yukiko Tsuji with her DX report. Hello and welcome to the DX report of the month from Japan Shorthair Club, aided by Toshi Otake and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. Radio NUG via Paochun, Taiwan, was received on 17790 kHz on March 6 from the sign on at 0200 to 0215 UTC in Burmese. SIO rating was 353. ID in English was given at 0200, then talk in Burmese started. Hope Radio via Palo was heard on 15680 kHz on March 6 from the sign on at 0105 to the sign off at 0258 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. Gospel songs were broadcast until 0110, then preach started. Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation was heard on 5020 kHz on March 3rd from 1045 to 1115 UTC in Pigeon. SIO rating was 343. Talk program by a mail announcer was aired until 1100. Then ID and the news were broadcast. All India Radio from Bengaluru was heard on 13710 kHz on March 6 from 0210 to the sign off at 0230 UTC in Indonesian. SIO rating was 252. Talk program by a male announcer and Indian folk songs were on the air. TWR India via Yelavan, Armenia, was received on 12075 kHz on March 9th from 1313 with interval signal to 1344 UTC. SIO rating was 353. ID in Kuruku was given at 1315, then talk and the local song were broadcast. Interval signal was played again at 13.30, then the program was changed to the one in Bondo. Radio Austria International was heard on 5940 kHz on March 3rd, from 16.59 with interval signal to the sign-off at 17.26 UTC in German. 
SIO rating was 232. The broadcast started with interval signal and the ID was given in German, English, French, and Spanish. News started at 1700. Radio Ethiopia was heard on 7110 kilohertz on March 6 from 1445 to the sign off at 1459 UTC in Amharic. SIO rating was 242. Discussion by two men was broadcast. Local music was played at 1459, then the station signed off. VOA via Botswana was received on 15460 kilohertz on March 11th from 1505 to the sign off at 1559 UTC in Hausa. SIO rating was 353, then down to 252. Talk program was aired. WBCQ Monticello, USA was heard on 9330 kilohertz on March 5th from 0948 to 1010 UTC. SIO rating was 242. Talk program in French was aired until 0959. Then music was played. ID was given in English, then Spanish program started at 1000. Finally, Japan Shortwave Club will issue the QSL cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSL card by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at live.jp. I repeat, JSWCQSL at live.jp. We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248-8691, Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we'd like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Chiaki Shimada for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Showtime Club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. Thank you, Yukiko. I want to read part of an article now from the Spectrum Monitor. Which is an excellent online publication. And there's a monthly column called The Shortwave Listener by Fred Waterer, dealing with、uh, programming on shortwave. And in the April issue of the Spectrum Monitor,、uh, there's an article by him called Ukraine News on Shortwave. Fred says If the last few years have demonstrated anything, it is that things can change with sometimes alarming rapidity. In 2019, no one, save for a few academics and science fiction writers, even considered the possibility of a global pandemic such as we've seen. The Cold War seemed to be a thing of the past, as much of the world experienced unprecedented prosperity. And then, just like that, many things are up in the air. As is often the case, radio listeners have a front row seat for many of these events. And radio demonstrates its importance in difficult times as people try to understand what is happening. As Russia invaded Ukraine, many people went to their radios to follow events. 
The world has changed a lot in the past few years. In late February, it took a seemingly unexpected turn. I'm not sure anyone expected to see a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. As the Canadian on the staff of this magazine, I note that Canada has the third largest population of citizens with a Ukrainian background in the world, after Ukraine itself and Russia. The author grew up with friends named Pidnezeki and Kiselchuk. One of the reasons for immigration to Canada has been a history of war and conflict, a situation that appears to be replicating once again. The local folk arts festival has traditionally had numerous Ukrainian events featuring good times, great food, and fabulous music. I've attended services in Ukrainian Orthodox and Catholic churches. In university, my major was Slavic studies, taking classes in Russian language, literature, and civilization. And while these studies focused on Russia, they often swerved into Ukraine and other nations in the region. For these and the obvious reasons, I have followed events very closely. One of the benefits of knowing a bit of very rusty Russian is that it helps when one is listening to Ukrainian media. Russian and Ukrainian are two very different languages, but they do share significant amounts of vocabulary. Historically, there have been regions where Ukrainians and Russians have coexisted, and people often speak a mix of the two languages, sort of franglais. I don't claim any special insight, but about the time Russia started massing troops on the border, I began to monitor radio stations in the border regions of Ukraine using the Radio Garden app, which is actually very cool. You can find it at radio.garden. In mid to late February, it was interesting to note how similar radio stations on either side of the Russia-Ukraine border sounded. They played a mixture of genres, lots of Europop and dance music, making most radio stations indistinguishable from anything one might hear on the FM dial in North America. After the invasion, things changed after about a week, at least on the Ukrainian side. Of four stations in Kharkiv, two shifted to all news. It's unclear if it was local or national programming. One time an Amber Alert type event occurred, perhaps warning of an attack. It ended with Slava Ukraine, or glory to Ukraine. More recently, March 10th to 11th, the programming is clearly from a national network. Three more quick observations. A radio station in Odessa, Pershomiska Radio on 102.7, was clearly defiant, playing English, Ukrainian, and Russian music. The lyrics of the English songs were, in the context of events, amusing at times, suggesting to their visitors to go home. Shortwave listeners of a certain vintage will remember Pridnestrovia, the breakaway region of Moldova, which once had a shortwave service. Radio One Plus is in the capital, Tiraspol. On March 11th, a very melancholy set was heard in English featuring Rod Stewart, singing Wonderful World, Yesterday by the Beatles, Hurt by Timmy Euro, and a fourth song with lyrics like, He's the talk of the town, the guy with the gun. He's the talk of the West. I found that very interesting. Finally, I navigated up to Radio Belarus in Minsk. Twice I've stumbled onto the English service, once on UTC Saturday at 0248 and again at 1345. News about the conflict was heard at 1400, including a denial as fake news that a Russian missile had hit Belarus. 
The woman presenter, speaking in a rapid-fire way, needs to come up for air. Most programming is typical of state broadcasters. And then uh, in the article, um, Fred mentions all of the uh, shortwave broadcasts being directed to Ukraine now, which we've talked about in WaveScan here in recent uh, editions. So a very interesting uh, column by Fred Waterer, shortwave listener, in the publication The Spectrum Monitor, which comes out monthly. It's online. You can get it as a PDF version, and you can find more information at thespectrummonitor.com. It's thespectrummonitor.com. And now a bit of folk music from Belarus. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, the voice of America on medium wave at Poro in the Philippines. And we'll have our Philippine DX report from Henry Umatai. A reminder that several QSL cards are available for WaveScan. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for this program to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand. Stand by for that. And also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify it with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSL cards is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, 
Prakanon. That's spelled P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G. Prakanon, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanon, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, not reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone.